and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more shall we see you again. Welcome to another episode of the Filmotomy podcast. I am joined today by three of my cohorts, uh, Steve Schweighoffer. Hello. Daniel Smith-Rousey. Hello. And Jonathan Holmes. Hi, folks. And today we are Sans Robin, our our lovely um, host. Well, anyway, so tonight we have two major topics to discuss, um, those being, of course, the early uh, awards that have started with the National Board of Review that was at the end of uh, uh, November, just after Thanksgiving, and then we're going to talk about that through the Critics' Choice nominations that just came out this week. Now, I know today there was a whole slew of uh, regional awards, such as the San Francisco and I think Boston and a whole bunch of others. But there's just too many of those to discuss today. Plus, I, I just feel like the other ones have a higher profile. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, definitely. And then after that, we're going to make our quick little predictions about what we think will be some of the nominations for tomorrow morning's Golden Globe nominations, which is very exciting. And I especially am looking forward to seeing what five get nominated for Best Comedy or Musical especially since Get Out is available this year in that category. Right. Um, we will finish off with a, uh, d- a discussion about the career of Steven Spielberg, since this week on Filmotomy will be the Steven Spielberg week. So, all right. So, um, yeah, so it started on November 28th with the National Board of Review, which is the smallest group, I think, that comes <coughs> out with their picks. And for Best Picture, they threw a curveball at us, which they like to do, and they named the post Best Picture, along with Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep as actors. And Mm. this was also Willem Dafoe's first of many, I predict, wins for The Florida Project, along with Laurie Metcalf uh, for Lady Bird, who I think will be going toe-to-toe this year with Alice and Janney, but it remains to be seen. Then the Disaster Artist won Adapted Screenplay, and Phantom Thread won Original Screenplay. Now, Phantom Thread was also a curveball because really only like a few screenings had even been shown at that point. And um, so that's really interesting to know, like, what kind of film is that going to be? Is it going to be more esoteric the way that 
the master inherent vice were, or is it going to be more, you know, commercial? Like there will be blood and uh, magnolia. Why? Well, because calling there will be blood commercial is Anderson is far from hard. hard. Yeah. It, it, I would probably say like <clears throat> Punch Drunk Love is maybe a little bit more accessible, and even there, I'm pu- I'm pushing it. Yeah, it's only because of Adam Sandler's presence that it was commercial. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. But I mean, like, do you guys think that he has sort of a difference between like his more out there kind of films that are like a little bit harder to fully understand versus more of like easier to digest. I would say probably definitely uh, the master, which is some movie I actually, I still absolutely love, mm-hmm. even though it's very kind of perplexing and a lot of areas to kind of piece together, but still an extremely fascinating film to watch versus <clears throat> inherent vice, which is, I didn't, I still haven't really warmed up to that movie as I did the master. This was like, it's it's too. I can't believe I'm saying this about Paul Thomas Anderson movie, but it's just too weird and too <laughs> grasping. To yeah. Now, that Steve, one. I remember you were really excited for Inherent Vice because you had read the book even. Uh, well, I like all of Paul, all all of Anderson's films. I I don't think he's made a bad one. In, in I my agree. Um, and none of them, none of them are. Uh, commercial oriented some of them have been successful but only because they were successful it has nothing to do with what he intended to do i don't think he cares if they're successful agree yeah yeah i can see that boogie especially nights since... probably my favorite of his oh the boogie nights is fantastic i finally Just... rewatched that again this <laughs> earlier this year and you know i'm still thinking about it's that alfred molina time scene. i watch it yeah yeah that that's oh my god the, the humor in that especially like when um the wife is is having sex on the on the pavement. Oh yeah, in front of what everybody. The fuck does it look like I'm doing? Yeah. <laughs> going? I'm like, does it look like I'm doing? And, and like the one guy comes up and he starts talking to the husband. He's like, "What's wrong?" He goes, "Don't you see my wife is fucking on the pavement right behind me?" Yeah. What do you think? Do you think Phantom Thread uh, is as good as advertised, or do you think it'll? I mean, what kind of film do you think it'll be? Original. Yeah. <laughs> you can always count on him for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's another director you can say that about. Yeah, I yeah I go with that. I, I guess it really depends on how the critics take it. If it's going to be something that's glowing, if it's a like a very glowing review, then maybe you have an idea of where of where the movie is. And if it's kind of polarized and you're just kind of like, okay, we're not quite sure to, what to make of this one, but we still like it. We still love it anyway. It's going to be the more esoteric, as what um, uh, Al pointed out. Yeah, and, and it's you know, supposed to be Daniel Day Lewis' last film too. Yeah, do you believe yeah. that? I mean, I don't know, honestly. I mean, he was supposed to retire after Gangs. I think he was supposed to retire after Gangs in New York, and he came back anyway. Yeah, I mean, to work with Scorsese, though, you know, I mean, like, how do you turn that down? Right. No, no, but he retired after that, but then came. Back. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, oh wait. Oh, oh, so. oh, oh. So had he like taken a break between Gangs oh. in New York and? And um, there will be blood. Never mind. I thought Jonathan said that he claimed to have retired after Gangs and I thought I thought he I thought he retired before then. Oh, and then yeah. came back with Scorsese. Okay, then sure. Yeah, I never believe these retirement things. They're always negotiations for yeah. you know better wages or you know what I mean. I mean, it's why I I, I don't pull, I can't really fully believe that a Quentin Tarantino's done after ten. 
Right. In that B, he'd actually make a Star Trek movie. Oh, <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's <laughs> an R-rated Star Trek it, movie. It's like, that's hard to that's hard to buy. Sure. I think if somebody offers Lewis a juicy part in a couple of years, he'll 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 grab it. Yeah, I, I'm with that. I think that's right. Yeah. So, um, what are your guys' reactions to seeing the Post win uh, at the National Board Review, along with Hanks and Street? I think it's probably part of it. it has to do with the political climate that we're that we're currently in right now. I think that would have to be a big a big factor of it. Yeah. Uh, also, probably the movie is the movie is maybe it's, it's that good. Uh, right. I don't. I mean, last time we saw Spielberg actually get very political, I think I believe was Munich, and I think that's I, I consider that to be one of my one of my all time favorite Spielberg films right there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Although you know what, I mean, do we think Lincoln was kind of political? Oh yeah, uh, Schindler was political. Most yeah. of his histories are are political. I think. You know, I think you're onto something there because. He really does like the politics side of things. I, it's sort of, yeah. I mean, the more muted you know. his colors, the more political his film. Mm-hmm. I thought I even saw a little bit of that. Private Ryan, those color, the, the colors are very muted in that. They're not bright. Oh, and War of the Worlds, yeah. Jaws right. and Raiders. Bridges and Guys. That's right. He desaturates when he wants That's you to right. focus. <laughs> That's his, his cue to us that he's being serious. <laughs> So in, I've been hearing that the post is no spotlight, though. Have you guys been hearing that? That it's like oh, not that. Oh yeah, I, it's good, but I don't know. Right, that it kind of same topic, kind of, and well, sort of. I mean, you know, like uh, journalists and right. bad guys. I wasn't that thrilled with Spotlight. Yeah, honestly, if I had to go watch it again, it's like it's good. It's not like exactly. Yeah, but you know, best picture now. I just still, dropped a decade, that's all. I still <laughs> yeah. really thought The Revenant was going to win, so I got... Yeah, I, I just assumed that, on that. That's this whole, like, um, the the whole ballot thing, like, it's or the way they vote, like, for best pictures, it makes it really hard to predict. So anyway, moving along, then, the NBR also named their top ten films, and we got with it a couple really, like, out of left-field picks with Baby Driver and Logan. Wait, I'm not surprised by either one. Yeah, they honestly. are really, really good. Yeah. But just, like, ones that nobody was talking about. Right. And then they also named Call Me By Your Name, Downsizing, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Disaster Artist, and The Florida Project. Now, I, but no billboards. Yeah, that's a little Oh, I saw that strange. last night. That was so good. That was, and, I mean, just getting started right away with no three billboards kind of had me worried. Uh, no, I wouldn't worry about being left out of the critics any more than uh, a critic. A critical winner is going to be going to sweep the Oscars because it just doesn't happen. They're, they're totally disconnected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. That's what the one thing I always try to like figure out is the difference between the Oscar voters and the critics. Because Intelligence, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would agree with that. No politics. Or not as much in the critics. Mm-hmm. So do you think, I mean, so their picks, uh, do we think 
were they good or were they just sort of like, well, they could, you know, we get why they picked them, not necessarily like we like their picks. Uh, I'm actually surprised they, I take that back. I'm surprised Baby Driver actually got in because at the time of its release, there wasn't the whole stain of Kevin Spacey and, and Harvey Weinstein. And I was thinking, okay, you know, if I was thinking, I would think I, when I first saw it and the reviews, I'm like, okay, this is this is this might be the dark horse for a best picture to sneak in for best picture. And I think the critics gonna like really jump on board with this movie and kind of love it and just kind of push it along. And then after you know we we find out about Kevin Spacey, that just went the the hell in a handbasket. So I'm surprised that they're still so they're showing some love for the film. Yeah. Um, I think the spacey thing probably hamstrung Call Me By Your Name, too. Yeah. Oh, right, right. I mean, no, there's, a, there's totally, there's no connection whatsoever, but... No, but you're talking about what it's about, what the story is about, yeah. It's, North it's, Texas it's, thinks there is, but... <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like it's harder for them to promote it now, maybe, I don't know. You know, maybe yeah. that they'll survive that, but it does seem like a trickier sell. Yeah. It's I, I cannot imagine Call Me By Your Name actually winning Best Picture, whereas like a year ago, maybe it could have, you know. That, I mean, yeah. that, maybe I'm wrong, but in the post-Weinstein moment, I don't see it. Yeah. No. Okay. Right. Well, if, if it doesn't, uh, is it an indictment on our political climate, or is it just sort of like they just, maybe they just didn't like the film as much as they would like something else? Probably, maybe, I, I honestly, probably a little bit of both, I would say. Yeah. Something like that throws shade on public interest too. Like none of this scandal business had happened, it would probably be a you know a novelty. It's not now. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, then uh, we move to uh, the New York Film Critics Circle Awards, uh, which were on November thirtieth, just two days later, and they uh, went the other direction with some of their picks, which I think are more in line with with what we could see at the Oscars. So they, for best picture, they went with Lady Bird director. They went with Sean Baker for the Florida project leading actor. They went with Timothy Chalamet for call me by your name. Uh, leading actress. They went with Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird. And then there we see Willem Dafoe again, but then oh. we also have a nice surprise with Tiffany Haddish for girls trip. Oh, yay. Uh, now I have not actually seen girls trip yet. Uh, have you guys seen it? I've seen it. It, it, it. It's extremely funny. Uh, it, it, it's I, it's kind of, it, I, I hate comparing this to Bridesmaids because they're two. And I mean, the, the structure is is very similar, but where where it veers off, it it, it, it veers off when it goes into personal uh, dilemmas. Mostly the uh, subplot where uh, the lead actress is thinking that her husband is cheating on him, or is a serial. Uh, Playboy, and it turns out, yes, he is. And she's kind of grappling how, how, how to deal with that. Okay. I, I haven't seen it. Although, I have noticed that Best Supporting Actress is, like, wide open this year. I mean, I, not, it's not always this open. I mean, you know, the, for the nominees, I think I think you're right that Metcalf and Janney, as the two, you know, power moms, will probably fight to the finish for the eventual Oscar. But in terms of the other three nominees, wow. It is a wide open. I mean, it could be Holly Hunter. It could be a lot. I, I yeah, you know, she could get in. 
Tiffany Haddish. I'm sure she'll get in. Yeah. What's that? I'm sure Mary J. Blige will get in because they love it when somebody comes from the outside (laughs) and does something. I love Mudbound. I thought I I'm sad that's not getting more sort of discussion. But anyway, yeah, I hope he does because that was that's Netflix for you. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Right. Nobody's talking about Okja either, which was a cool movie. But or uh, the Angelina Jolie. I sat through the. (laughs) I liked it. The. uh, the Netflix, you know, first they killed my father. I'm talking about her Vietnam, or yeah, yeah it was cool. It was, a, it was a fine film, but nobody, you think any? Why do you think? Why do you guys think that is? You think the critics just don't think? I mean, even though they have obviously seen it on Netflix, they don't. Maybe they, well, why don't they care? Uh, if it's not, I don't know. Maybe if it's not on the big screen, it's just like yeah, it's it's not the same. I don't know. Okay. But aren't they all watching their screeners at home anyway? I mean, exactly. I, I, you know, I hadn't even thought They're about all that. The same parent companies. But you're right. right. Like, they call themselves right. traditionalists. Like, oh, a movie should be released in a theater, but then they they watch them on screeners <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Right. I don't know, but I hope you're right about yeah, Mary J. Blige. I mean, I that is a wide open category. But anyway, yeah, I. I in terms of the New York critics, I think I agreed with them the most. I loved those calls. I loved Lady Bird. I loved Sean Baker. Uh, I love what he did with Florida Project. I thought, yeah, I thought I, those of the ones you named, Al, those were my favorites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I I just recently caught up with Tangerine, and wow, right. that was a great oh, film. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I, I I don't know what I was. You know, the thing that scared me off was the the iPhone idea that he filmed it on his iPhone because I'm like, what the heck is that going to look like? But you don't even notice that. Right. right. It was amazing. Yeah. Especially with those, like, musical flares, the flourishes and everything. I'm like, holy cow, he did this on an iPhone? And, like, if if Tangerine was that good on an iPhone, I can only imagine what, like, the Florida Project would look like in 35mm. It's great. Yeah, I the only reason I haven't seen the Florida Project yet is because it was only playing at like one theater around here, and for some reason they just decided to skip us. Even though, like, the funny thing is, the Twin Cities is very gay friendly, and you know, I know that like with Tangerine, that was a a, um, a gay themed film. Now I know that obviously the Florida Project isn't, but it's the same filmmaker, and so it's kind of funny that they would put it in like one theater and then just not really bother with the rest. I mean, I, but whatever. I mean, that's, that's neither here nor there. I mean, who knows sometimes how they pick where they're going to release their films and, and how many theaters in a local area and everything. That stuff just drives me crazy though. Cause you know, then like I'll hear that, Oh, like darkest hour is now playing around here. And I thought I had seen like a commercial, the darkest hour wasn't even opening wide until December 22nd. Yeah, that that's still true. At least at least for us out here. So yeah, so it's it's so hard to keep up. And then like I'll get to the weekend, and I'm thinking, you know, what is even in theaters anymore? I mean, Steve, you you must really have that trouble out there, right? I've still got Murder on the Orient Express on the <laughs> on the marquee <laughs> when I went to do my groceries the other day. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So I'm pretty sure by February you'll get to you'll get to see uh, Star Wars or oh, whatever or whatever else comes out. The only one I got on time the day it was released was uh, War of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, wow! Okay, not, wait, so not, not even big. like Dunkirk. 
No, yeah, in Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Oh, played. okay. Dunkirk played for two weeks. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah, I think Dunkirk was just re-released. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it came uh, back to the theaters. Yeah, it was. I think it was just maybe for select theaters, perhaps. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe maybe Warner Brothers is actually trying to get an Oscar nomination. I think they're going to have a pretty good chance of winning the thing with Dunkirk. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I think that's what they're, they've had small films, what, the last three Oscars? Yeah. And this, is, this is a biggie, and there's, there's no controversy <laughs> right. to be attached to it. And uh, what's his name? Nolan is overdue, so I think they could pay off a lot of debts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still waiting for Robin to release because remember, like when we were recording the the, the Dunkirk episode, and Robin was like, "I'm going to put out a post that has like 50 reasons why Dunkirk is winning Best Picture." Oh yeah, yeah, he's really hot on it. Or has he? I don't know. Yeah, so we'll have to pressure him to put that out there. Um, anyway, so moving along then, uh, oh, by the way, I should, I should also mention that NYFCC also awarded Mudbound for cinematography. And I've been hearing that if, if Mudbound gets nominated at the Oscars, that it'll be, it would be the first woman, uh, to, to be nominated. How is it possible that we've never had one nominated before? That's crazy talk. I don't know. I can't explain. Wait, a it. woman actually being a DP? Blasphemous! Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've been crossing off so many other things that you know we've been waiting for for a long time. But this just seems one of those like this so low key. You think no, it's not possible, but I guess it is. You know, I mean, what is it? Do they, do they think that like? Oh, you know, because these cameras are so big and heavy or something? I mean, is that what it is? <laughs> but, I mean, oh, like, like everything else, it's a, it, it's a male patriotic, uh, patriotic. Boys club. The cinematographers nominate cinematographers. They all yeah. know each other. Right. Right. Which well, doesn't explain yeah. why Deacon still doesn't have one, but still. Yeah. So you, we've all seen Mudbound, right? I've, I haven't yet, uh, I need, I need to. I'll probably watch it sometime this week. Okay. Well, I think the Mudbound cinematography probably is at least in the top seven best cinematography of the year. Um, granted, I still haven't seen Blade Runner, but that's because I got scared off with I don't know the time, the the runtime of that movie. Oh no, no, no that. that yeah, that you shouldn't have been scared <laughs> off by that. That was that was incredible. <laughs> On a yeah. level, uh, cinematography, acting-wise, it's all just perfect. I mean, more. I, I loved Mudbound and Dunkirk. I think is a, the favorite to win this award, best cinematography. But Blade Runner, I saw that, and that uh, every shot is a painting. I mean, that it, yes. like the, it is gorgeous. There's not a moment of that film yeah. that doesn't feel it, like it, a, it's. A I compare it almost to like watching a like Hayao Miyazaki. Because it sure. feels like yeah. just every every yeah. last frame is just painstakingly well crafted to, within an inch of its life. Yeah, 
But it's okay, Al. You missed it in theaters, and you know your life is poor for that. But you know, we'll be... <laughs> yeah. fine. We'll, we'll move on from that. But uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think okay. Deacons is going to get it because I I think it's Dunkirk's to lose. I, yeah. I, you know, whatever. I, I, which I don't have a total problem with because I think uh, Hoyt Van Hatoma again is also just one of the best DPs in the business. Sure. Right. Uh, but. Man, Deacon's again getting probably getting snubbed, which is like, no. what else does he have to do? So is, is he, he like going to be? Like what's he going to be? Over for sixteen or something? Yeah. Or, something know. ridiculous, yeah. Something crazy, yeah. Does he have to like make a complete piece of shit and then it's like, okay, fine, here, here you go, here's your Oscar? Right. Apparently, yeah. All right, well, um, that brings us then to the L.A. film critics who uh, are known to be um, sort of, they always want to be the opposite of whatever New York does. And right. so if New York is, I don't know, considered by some to be more snooty, then L.A. wants to be the cool ones. And um, we'll see if these uh, winners are cool or not. Uh, so for their best picture, they went with Call Me By Your Name, and their runner-up was The Florida Project. Uh, okay. And then for director... They went with Guillermo del Toro for *The Shape of Water*, and they and no, and Luca Guadagnino for *Call Me by Your Name*. It was an actual tie. Oh, nice! That's a nice list. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, actor we see Chalamet come up again, and Franco as a runner-up for *The Disaster Artist*. And then best actress they went with Sally Hawkins for the first time with *The Shape of Water*, and there's Frances McDormand showing up for the first time for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And then for supporting actor, Willem Dafoe wins for a third time in a row. And then Sam Rockwell, who might be the presumed favorite or what, yes. <laughs> finally shows up for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And supporting actress, Laurie Metcalf again for Lady Bird. And the first time we see Mary J. Blige for Mudbones. And then and that's yeah. Dafoe and uh, Rockwell in conversation yeah. because they've been doing good work for years and they haven't been, no one's paid any attention to them. Right. Really, really good <laughs> okay. character actors. Uh, I mean, whenever I think Defoe, the two films that first pop into my mind are Platoon and Spider-Man. Right, because those are probably his most more, more accessible um, well, in the English features patient. as an actor. Oh, yeah, The oh, English oh, wow. Patient. He was really good in that. He was missing a hand, right, or something? Fingers on one hand. Oh, fingers, oh. okay, yeah. I'm more of a I'm more of a fan of his work in like Last Temptation of Christ by Scorsese. Yeah. And oh, I actually saw part of that, like at least half of that movie, and I thought like, wow, that's that's a really good performance, and I liked what Scorsese was doing about telling the story of Christ. I, really, really I, never, I never thought Defoe would be like Mister Supporting Actor, but I think in this century, that is definitely where he has fallen. They 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 don't seem to have enough uh, places for him, but I think. It's exciting that he's having this run now. I think everybody thought this was going to be Rockwell's run, and now it's like, what the hell? <laughs> well, okay, so what I've been hearing, and you guys probably heard the same thing about Sam Rockwell, is that the the voters, I don't think they necessarily want to pick uh, a character so despicable like Rockwell is in Three Billboards. Oh, yeah. Really? That's true. That, that's a yeah. thing. Yeah, here's the thing, you know, just about a lot of the characters in Three Billboards are in their in, in various aspects pretty shitty characters. 
I mean, uh, Francis McDormand is kind of a shitty mom. Uh, John uh, John John Hawkins is a, is, is an abusive asshole. You know, ex husband Sam Rockwell is just this idiot, blundering, you know, bigoted cop. And, and that's, really, the only one who's, who's, who's right even remotely likable is is um, the Woody Harrelson character. I seem to remember Javier Bardem winning an Oscar for No Country for Old Men. He wasn't exactly Mother Teresa. No, but he had a, he had a sense of humor. Oh, well, a dark sense of humor. Well, specifically, Lack of sense of humor caused Ray yeah. finds the Oscar when he was in Schindler's List. <laughs> <laughs> What's costing Rockwell is that you know he's wearing uh, headphones in three billboards that apparently block out all noise and even the smell of burning around you. I mean that that <laughs> come on, dude. yeah, the police station's burning. Well, you might notice. Yeah, that. the thing about Rockwell, and I, I'm trying to like. I don't want to try and spoil anything, but basically, yeah, okay, I can say this much. He's a racist. Yeah. <laughs> and by that, you mean his character. Right, yeah, 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 his character. Um, Dixon. Let's not start something. Right, yeah, he plays a guy named Dixon, and Dixon is a racist, and I think that they're worried that if they give Rockwell the Oscar, it's like they're saying it's okay that this character was a racist. But Oh, come on. In the end, just like they endorsed cannibalism when they gave Hopkins. Exactly. I just think think if you're, if that's really, if that's really the fear, then how fucking stupid do they think (laughs) audiences are? How stupid do they think they are? Are they to actually have that opinion? Exactly. Yeah, I don't. I doubt that's going on. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think they're they're basically saying like his character by the end is unearned. Because it's a little contrived, but I—I I mean, I thought that it was fine because they make him look like an idiot. Oh yeah, I mean, like his relationship with his mom, for instance. It—it it, it feels almost, almost incestuous, almost. More <laughs> oh, incestuous, almost. Were you picking up on something there? Ah, uh, kind of, yeah. The way you got the way they interacted with each other, the way they kind of look at each other—it's just. It's almost creepy, and and how and how that relationship is played out. But that's just how I took it. Mm-hmm. Well, anybody that's open to being a racist obviously has a few blocks missing, so they're going to have they're going to be open to a number of things. I would think, <laughs> not just that. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe yeah. maybe you're on to something in that maybe people feel like it's not this isn't the way to address the post Ferguson moment, you know, because it is set in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Or whatever, and if if it is trying to address that, there's surely got to be a better. Maybe yeah, you're would, something, but I don't yeah, know. but still, they, I, I, you know, his his Sam Rockwell's character isn't isn't a common, isn't a glorification of police brutality and the abuse of power that they that some that some officers are are, are, are pulling against uh, against you know black men or people of color. No, it's can I mean Martin McDonough's. Uh, the character it's it's a it's a combination of, of that kind of character of that of that type of person in in society yeah yeah i don't know i i yeah i still liked his performance better for me than willem defoe's personally i mean and i loved I, i'll defend florida project 
over three billboards, but I, but I, I was more into Rockwell. So I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I, I'm open to any other explanation. Al's makes as much sense as anything, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also when you put like the two of them side by side, like, and you know, not having seen the Florida project, but hearing enough about it, like Willem Dafoe's character is a good guy. That's all he is. Pretty much. That's the role. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, just yeah, I, I don't know. It's so hard to tell, like, what's going to happen this year because we can't tell, like, how much the outside politics are going to play with their choices, their nominees, the winners, all right. of it. You know? The one thing right. that I can say, though, that, like, about Three Billboards is that, you know, it's not like Martin McDonough wrote this just last year. He wrote this, like, several years ago, and it just happens that when the film actually comes out, it we're in this situation that we're in now. No, but he, but the, I think he wrote it after Ferguson. I mean, I think I could be wrong about that, but I think that's why it's in Missouri. Well, what I, you know, I don't know for a fact, but all right. And that he wrote it. Yeah. Ferguson was four years ago, three and a half. Well, I think okay, well, it, it must have been, it, it would have had to write, he, he would have had to have written it after seven psychopaths, right? Yeah. 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 Which was what year? 2012. Oh, well, okay. I, you know, I don't know for a fact, but I, okay. I, that's the way I read the Missouri setting. You know, he, he said he drove around Montana. I mean, he hadn't, hadn't been to Missouri. I saw an interview with McDonough where, you know, he was approached by a deer while he was in Montana. He's like, I put that deer in the movie and you know, right. Mm -hmm. You probably would meet a deer in like rural Missouri, (laughs) but you know, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I know, but um, I don't know. You know, it's fine. But it, it, I felt like the movie was trading on that, was saying, you know, I mean, I think that was clear that they didn't even have to show a scene of Sam Rockwell's character, you know, beating somebody up because it was already subtext from like he would just know people because how who knows how close we are to St. Louis since it's a made up city. You know, yeah, it could be it could be 10 minutes from there. You know, that's true, because like. St. Louis is not like the L.A. area. I mean, you go like 10 miles out of the downtown area and it's rural. Right. Right. Anyway, I don't know. I mean, I wh- whatever. I don't know what to say. I'm, I kind of I like Willem Dafoe as an actor, so I'm not going to be sad if he wins the whole thing. Yeah, he's cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so Maybe then... people will stop calling him William if, if he wins. <laughs> oh, William. <laughs> I can still call it William Dafoe. <laughs> oh. It's yeah, just like going. Will Smith. Sorry. You know, I, I always saw Will Smith's real name was William Smith, but it's actually Willard Smith. Yeah. I did not know that. I've learned something today. Yeah, Thank you for that. Hey, you're welcome. Yeah. Just uh, post on Facebook. Uh, Chicago has announced. Call me by your name. Call cool. me. Call call me by your name is uh, leading the noms there. Cool. Oh, wow. Nice. Well done. Call me by your name. Rock. Yeah, Chicago is nice and progressive. <laughs> you mean compared to <laughs> Minneapolis? <laughs> well, <laughs> well I was thinking more like Salt Lake City. Um, When's the National Society? They're usually the last ones. Those are the ones that I've watched since the 70s. Um, I feel like there's some time between <laughs> the Golden like Globe nominations and the Screen Actors Guild nominations, right? Yeah. So probably either next week or the week after. Oh, I think they're they'll be after the holidays, usually. Oh, they're usually very late. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I got to make like a, a little calendar to see because th- there is so much stuff. Awards Daily used to have one. I think they still do, don't they? Just got yeah. a calendar. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, I think they do, actually. Um, I think Marshall probably put it together. All right. Because um, I thought I had heard him mention that like on their latest uh, podcast episode about the calendar. But anyway, um, so, yes, keeping with L.A. film critics, so for screenplay, they don't have original versus adapted. They just have screenplay. And they went with Get Out for the winner. And I, I think this is a great Ooh. pick. Agreed, yeah. And then their, their runner-up was Three Billboards. So I think they did really well there. And then they also have a few, like, um, below-the-line stuff. They have production design, which the, their winner was Blade Runner. Um, uh, uh, the Shape of Water was their runner-up. Film editing went to Dunkirk, of course. And then, interestingly enough, their runner-up for that was I, Tanya. And then really? cinemat- Yeah, yeah. They went with I, Tanya as the second-best uh, film editing, which is really interesting. Because you'd think, like, in, in Hollywood, they would go for something more like a baby driver, but nope. Um, and then what's really interesting is, so production design went to Blade Runner, not The Shape of Water, and then you go to cinematography and it's flipped. So The Shape of Water actually won cinematography, right? and Blade Runner was the runner-up. So I, I'm so curious of what's going on there. Um Although I haven't seen The Shape of Water yet, and that go- cinematography does look gorgeous. Yeah, uh, Dan Lutman. Le- uh, Le- 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 uh, I know the guy because he, he he worked on uh, Crimson Peak with uh, Guillermo del Toro, and then okay. he did um, uh, John Wick Chapter Two in the, in the it, uh, earlier this year, and the. Um, the, the camera work for that movie is also just flat out amazing. Yeah, I agree with you there, especially like the scene where he's in the House of Mirrors. The House of Mirrors. Oh, that's my favorite scene in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, they actually did a musical score here, and they went with Phantom Thread as the winner. Uh, so really curious to see oh, how John that Green music is. Cool. Oh, Are they the ones right, that label the category uh, use of music? Which critic circle is that? For for use of music. Yeah. Versus like the score. I'm calling it score. They call it use of music. Oh, interesting. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Which brings in uh, adapt what adapted score, which they should bring back to the Oscars, or so. I think. Yeah, because then some of these other ones that were um, not allowed would be brought back in, wouldn't it? Excellent. Yep. Um. And then, so they also have, and I, I guess I skipped over like some of these that have, like the foreign language film, like BPM is doing really well, and animated film Coco is doing really well, and um, documentary we've seen like, oh, you know what? I have not seen the Square pop up yet, which is interesting. Um, uh, was it the Europeans? It swept. Oh, okay, okay. Um, that's I don't think that surprises me because i know they they really like uh Ru- is it ruben osland right <laughs> you, you 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 lost me sorry i am a bad person i don't know where we are now oh <laughs> yeah we, we're for for the square the director ruben ruben osland right yeah i don't know sure he's the guy yeah. that did force majeure 
Yeah, uh, I didn't like the same guy. Yeah, and, that's right. You know, let's let's move on. I mean, okay. what are we talking about? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. the square. Yes, that's his name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Steve was talking about like for for foreign language films. Right. Well, it is nice actually for us to get into that. Yeah. North American critics haven't liked reading subtitles since the seventies. <laughs> yep. There was the one year of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where it was like, "Oh my God, this is going to change." Yeah, it didn't change. No, it hasn't. <laughs> yeah, they didn't go for Pan's Labyrinth. Nope. They didn't go for a separation. Which is odd because you know when I'm watching those movies, I can't do dub. I cannot do dub. Like no, for Crouching Tiger or even anything from uh, 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 G. Uh, God, now I'm forgetting the director. Z Young. Hero. Are you uh, talking about the guy who did like House of Flying Daggers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shang uh, Yimou. Now that Zhang Yimou. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Although I think yeah. he shit the bed this year because he's the guy that did the <laughs> yeah. Great Wall. The point you know, it was, even was then, bad. I'll give him it a pass. <laughs> I'm going to give him a pass because it's still it very bad, it, vibrant and very yeah. lovely to look at. Uh, look, he's look done nice. better stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I tried watching it. Are you sure the square is in is in a foreign language? Because I'm looking at this. It look, I mean, it stars Elizabeth Moss and Dominic West and a bunch of English speaking. You know, well, I don't care. Let's let's move on. To <laughs> you know, sometimes that stuff can get a little confusing. I, I'm, I'm right there because, like, for instance, Bong Joon Ho like did Okja, and Okja is right. almost entirely in English. Right. Well, so is Snowpiercer. Oh, that's right. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah the I'm, one he did was, I believe, was it the host? Bong Joon-ho, right? You know, it's funny. Somebody told me that, I mean, I think Tar- Quentin Tarantino says that Inglorious Bastards is only like 30% English. He's like, I should have been up for, you know, foreign language. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, well, it is weird because you'll have other movies that are actually more, you know, like, what, like you're saying, you know, like they'll be nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, but they actually have more English in them than something like an Inglorious Bastards. And, right. Well, mm-hmm. if if it could be Tarantino lied about that. I've never gone back and counted if it was 30 percent or 50 percent, but whatever, you know, I do. I think that is interesting that they there's a lot of category fraud anyway. Right. Oh, but uh, oh, yes. So maybe we could ask about like some other critical group <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> well uh I, that brings us to the broadcast film critics association otherwise known as the critics choice and <laughs> they have a whole heaping of nominations they even like to do stuff like best comedy film best action film right uh, yeah, they go all over the map. Yeah. It's like MCU awards. They're really hard to take. I can't take them seriously. <laughs> well, neither can I, but hey, whatever. They're out there. All right. Well, let's, you know what? Just because we were just talking about foreign language film, here were, they, they nominated six for foreign language film. They nominated A Fantastic Woman, BPM, First They Killed My Father, huh? in, yeah. in The Fade, The Square, and Thelma. Wait, has it, so has any of us seen any of these? Steve, did you see one of these? Oh. I mean, okay, I saw the, the Angelina Jolie Vietnam film, but did any of us see any of the other ones? No, uh, I mean, two no. times Angelina, and I just, I just wasn't in the mood. Yeah, <laughs> right. you know, okay. I, want, I want to see Should versus be. Killed My Father, but just, right. it, we can't you know, if, it's any, if it's anything like, uh, yeah. 
uh, that uh, uh, that war film that uh, uh, Kari, uh, Kariji Fukanga did. Uh, oh, Beast like, of No Nation. Back. Yeah, no nation. anything like that's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I like that, but just, I can see Because that's just like, it's, it's one of those movies I'm pretty sure I can only watch once. Oh, yeah. And after yeah. that, it's like, like... Well, that the part I agree with, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, but, a, that's the problem with a lot of them. Like, they're so heavy, it's like, it was good, but, like, do you really want to go back and watch it again? Yeah. Like, I feel that way about Schindler's List. Or the Killing Fields. Yeah. Uh, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, that was that was that one caught me by surprise. I wasn't expecting it to be that heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the critics' choice. I mean, even though we don't necessarily take them serious, they do like to uh, think they are important, and they'd like to think <laughs> that they're. They good like to think th- whatever yeah. they are is no question. Even though, like, this is what is so stupid. So they'll nominate, like, six or seven per category. It's like, yeah. well, if you're trying to be like the Oscars, why are you nominating six or seven people in a Because category? they cast a wide net, and then they, they take the temperature when there's time to vote to see who might be winning the Oscar, because they like to be close. That's that's right. my... Yeah. No, I think, you, I think you're right about that, Steve. Um, but... Just to, just to mention a couple of their major categories. So for best picture for Critics' Choice, they went with Call Me by Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, The Big Sick, which I'm really happy about. I am too. The Ford sure. Project, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And I'm looking at these ten, and the only one I could see still being a major contender for the Oscar is Phantom Thread. Otherwise, I think these... The, we're going to have some combination of these ten. Do we do we agree with that, or...? Yeah, I I think I'd probably agree with that. Uh, maybe, bill, maybe three billboards may, might be on the outside looking in. Because I can probably... I can I could probably see, like, Actress and maybe Rockwell. Definitely original screenplay, and that's about, maybe that's as far as it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did you, did you just say Shape of Water was on that list, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. Then yeah. <laughs> because okay, so I, I'm going to mention a film that we have not uh, heard yet, and that is All the Money in the World, which I know right, right. looks right. like it's tr- might be trying to be an Oscar contender, but probably isn't. Well, I, uh, Ridley has some clout. I mean, he's got. You know, and, uh, yeah, it, cloud. It, and it, yeah, here's the thing with Ridley: every time, every time he 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 goes, oh yeah, he yeah he has clout with Alien and Gladiator and uh, Blade Film Runner, movies and stuff like that, and Blade yeah. Runner. He just makes stuff like Alien Covenant and Kingdom of Heaven, which I kind of liked, and just Ex- Exodus, other shitty, yeah, Exodus, Gods and Kings. It's like, <laughs> uh, and he just loses it. Well, I, you know, I thought he was still okay since he had just recently done The Martian, and they really seemed to like that one, though. Yeah, and then he did Alien Covenant, and he went to shit again. <laughs> His career is too up and down. Yes, that's the whole... <laughs> I think he just does what he enjoys doing. Yeah, yeah. I can't fault yeah, him for that. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely seems more like a commercial director than an Academy director, I would think. It just so happens that some of his films have been Academy friendly. I don't know about calling him a commercial director. I mean, to me, Alien and Blade Runner are tremendous visions, you know, the game changers of all cinema, those mm-hmm. that those original films. But mm-hmm. that said, you know, and he made Thelma Louise and he made Gladiator and those are excellent films and he has made excellent films. But I, I don't really. Yeah, I think in terms of the Oscars, eh, you know, he's not. Alien and Blade Runner were ignored by the Oscars. I mean, right. you know, I, I don't know. It's not, um, he, you know, whatever. I, I wonder if he was even that disappointed when he didn't win, you know, best director for, uh, for gladiator. I, I mean, I remember him like kind of looking down when they called, uh, <laughs> another person's name, but I don't Steven think really... Soderbergh. Was that Soderbergh? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah. Soderbergh. yeah Everybody had for rallied, and, even uh, though uh, Soderbergh had but... two of the five nominations. Yeah. Yeah. And they rallied around traffic, which is an impressive thing for them to do. But I don't think Scott cared that much. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think he I cared guess. more that, was it the following year, he was passed over for uh, Black Hawk Down? Black Hawk Down, right. And he yeah. was passed over for I think the, that was one of his best films. He, for The Martian, okay. he wasn't nominated for Best Director at all. No. You know? Yeah, yeah that's right, because he got, he got shut out of that category, didn't he? Well, whatever. Yeah. There were five other great directors, man. <laughs> you can't limit to five. Right. I think really yeah. to live in great as like the punchline to any joke when you ever hear of like, uh, I mean, I don't even know that somebody's in a movie and they just had a sexual harassment, uh, you know, complaint brought against them. You just say, well, and just, you know, just hire Ridley Scott and get it and get it done in time for the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christopher Plummer. Yeah. Hire Christopher Plummer. <laughs> get rid of Brian Singer on the, uh, the Freddie Mercury biopic. Just and, and, hey, Christopher and we'll Plummer, director. Ready. Let's do it. So is Christopher Plummer directing that now? <laughs> I believe so, yes. Yeah, exactly. We don't care. He's well, 80. When was his 80th yeah. birthday? Like yesterday? I mean, he doesn't care. Anyway, yeah. Oh, that's right. He is 80. That's amazing. Yeah. Him him, and Clint Eastwood. Like, Clint Eastwood right. is almost 90. He's like 87 years old. Crazy talk. Yeah, and he's still got another film, the fifteen seventeen to whatever Paris or something coming out in February. It's he makes strong films still, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for best director, the uh, critics went with Guillermo del Toro, Greta Gerwig. Oh. I, you know, I think Greta Gerwig is going to be one of the five that. nominations. Yeah, I think so too. I hope so. Luca Guadagnino, Martin McDonough, Christopher Nor- uh, Nolan. Jordan Peele, which I love that pick, and Steven Spielberg. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. Uh, uh, I want to. I do want to think, think that Greta Gerwig is probably going to might is probably in, but I can see Jordan being the dark horse almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it went with five, it would be. I think Guillermo's a lock at this point. No one's definitely a lock. Uh, uh, what was it, the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca? Uh, Luca, Luca, yeah, uh, Gren- yeah I, I, Italian Gua- director. Guadagnino. Guadagnino. Great pronouncing over there, there now. Guadagnino. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I practiced uh, that. So that's three, <laughs> and shows. then we're looking at what Spielberg, Spielberg, and then there's probably Paul Thomas Anderson, and then there's Greta Gerwig. I think probably those. Those two spots. I think there's going to be a dark horse somewhere. I think it. Could be race. Be if, if the Netflix curse isn't too harsh. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, that would be great if she got right. in there. Well, it's so yeah, funny. But this they're, not, year, they're probably not even looking at Rachel Morrison for DP. So, well, how much of a shot does she have? This year, we could. I mean, like, there are three films that I think, you know, they could push for a female director because there's also Wonder Woman, which I know Warner Brothers is trying, even though I think yeah, they're it, not it, trying it, as hard as Dunkirk, though. Also, yeah, I think Justice League probably put an end to that. Oh. I hate saying it. God. <laughs> Which is really unfair because Justice League yes. is the follow up to Batman versus Superman. <laughs> God, here we go. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that for another time. Next uh, subject. Yeah. Well, okay, so I have a theory um, that Lady Bird is going to win Best Picture this year, and it all goes back to that Telluride. Okay. It has now this been... is <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. It t- you got, no. <laughs> I just think because uh, it turned, you know, that Lady Bird premiered at Telluride, just like along with um, Darkest Hour and The Shape of Water, coming out of Telluride, everybody was talking about those two and not Lady Bird. But I, I, if if the streak continues of Telluride being sort of the the premier spot, maybe it is Lady Bird this whole time. But you know, I, 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 oh, go ahead, Jonathan. Perhaps, but really, I haven't seen Lady Bird yet, and I want to. And I'll probably catch it probably this this weekend or next weekend. Uh, but I find it hard to believe they're going to go for a comedy, especially just a uh, few years back they went with the Birdman and almost gave it to La La Land the pre the following year uh, uh, in in twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. So it's just like. Again, comedies don't do very well with the Academy, especially coming of something like this that is very a coming of age comedy drama. I find it hard to believe that they're going to go. They're going to put their weight behind Lady Bird. Right. I don't know. I, I just I have a hard time saying it. Has a coming of age film ever won? I don't. Uh, That's a good question. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, if they just didn't even comedies go with in general, comedies in general winning Best Picture are very rare, is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good point. I was just thinking because of the fact that, you know, thinking about the Telluride statistic that Lady Bird did, in fact, premiere there. And Lady Bird was jumping out in front early on in this race, along with Call Me By Your Name. Although now I did hear, though, today that a whole bunch of the regional picks went with the, the Florida Project. So it's it, across the board. I don't think that they can decide on what they want to do. And and I was listening to the Little Gold Men podcast, and they were saying, I think it was Richard, maybe it was either Richard Lawson or Mike Hogan was making a point about, well, what if they can't decide on a true um, front runner, and they just go with Dunkirk after all. You know Dunkirk is going to be this year's, you know, Mad Max or Gravity or whatever, in terms of winning, you know, probably the most Oscars, whether it wins the, you know, Best Picture or not. You know, it's got, like, the craft Oscars, like, kind I don't want to say sewn up. I mean, it's not a lock, but I think there's a great chance yeah. uh, because it'll be the, you know, the only Best Picture nominee that is also nominated for, like, you know, all the craft categories. But I want to go back to your Lady Bird thing. I think... Uh, 
I think one one thing that helps make the case, if you're right, Al, that Ladybird is going to Ladybird could possibly win Best Picture is um, looking at the Emmys. You know, I mean, the Emmys all happened. Right? I mean, I don't know how many of you guys watched the Emmys. I mean, I did. Even if you didn't watch them, you might know who won. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, The Handmaid's Tale won Best Drama. It wasn't expected to. Um, Big Little Lies won Best Limited Series. That was a little more expected. It was a very, very, uh, you know, estrogen-filled night in a great way. And that was before, pointedly before the Harvey Weinstein right. happened. I mean, you can Google this. So if there, there may be, I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong with this, but there may be a lot more female voters, you know, than we realize. Maybe a lot of them are not part of the critics, you know, That's but right. I don't know. And, you know, the, the Academy has expanded. I, I, by the way, I know Emmy voters and Oscar voters are not the same voters. I got that. But I do think there's a lot of overlap. That Venn diagram is, you know, there's some overlap. So, oh, I don't know. I, and if Lady Bird has that lane to herself, you know, where, you know, I mean, you could make the case. Well, if Mudbound came in, then that would be another female director. But no. I, I mean, you could make the case that. Shape of Water or The Post are female-centered stories or Florida Project, but it's not the same. It's not the same as Lady Bird, I don't think, and so I think, eh, I, I don't know. Now, I don't, but I agree that it's thin. I think Steve makes a great point that no other Bill Dung's Roman, I mean, as well, hey, what, what other podcast do I get to say the word Bill Dung's Roman? No other Bill Dung's Roman has been uh, nominated for, or won Best Picture. Uh, you know, a, a coming-of-age story, you know. Uh, so, the, I, yeah, I, I see it, but so, Al, are you going to die on that hill? Are you ready to be like... No, I, I don't think so. I, I Well, part of it, I haven't seen the film yet, and... There you go. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, I have. <laughs> okay. And it's, I, it's great. I mean, it is great mm-hmm. for what it is. If it's I, kind of a John Hughes almost, you know. Okay. Like, but it's better, you know. Yeah. Like the best John Hughes film imaginable. Like if Pretty in Pink were actually a great film, you know. <laughs> I think if I was going to... Pick something to, as you say, die on the hill. I'd probably just personally, I would rather like put all my might behind like Dunkirk or even three billboards. Mm-hmm. It's going to depend on which way the herd is running when the ballots come out. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Because it is a herd mentality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have a target. You don't want to be the front runner too no. soon, like like the no. Revenant was or whatever. Yeah. Well, um. So let's see. So the other, some of the other stuff that they nominated that is different than what we've already been talking about. So for best actor, the critics brought in a J- uh, Jake Gyllenhaal for Stronger and Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out. And right. I, I, I love both picks. I, I just watched Stronger last night for the first time, and that is an incredible performance from Gyllenhaal. Not that I mean he always gives really strong performances, but to play Jeff Bowman, uh, you know who got his legs blown off at the Boston Marathon bombing, and then like just the fact that he was dealing with real life the way you'd actually expect real people to act, where like he's this reluctant hero, he doesn't even understand why he's even a hero in the first place, and I think that that Jill and Hall really understood that guy. And he's somebody you can actually root for. Have you guys seen Stronger yet? No. Uh, nope. No. Nope. Okay. But I'd love it if Hall made it into the final five. I mean, I felt, I'm still burned that he didn't make it for Nightcrawler. From Nightcrawler, yeah. yeah. Like, 
how did how did he miss that? I, I don't understand. I mean, I don't know. So now now I'm like hesitant to root for him because I don't want to get burned. Again. <laughs> you don't want to get burned again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I could make a joke and say that they maybe they didn't want to nominate him because they thought he wasn't a human since he never blinked. A nightcrawler. Yeah. Or maybe it's back to your political thing where we don't want to give Oscars to like people we don't like or whatever. Yeah. Which I don't believe, but okay. Mm-hmm. But anyway, okay. Well, I, I look forward to Stronger. It's a, it's going to be a, best actor and whatever people say, it's always competitive. You know, there's always a bunch of people that's po- that are possible, I think. Yeah. So I don't know what, I you know, Tom Hanks, is he going to get in? Daniel Day-Lewis, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I, to um, me, it's weird how Gary Oldman was once the lock, and now he's won, like, nothing. And, like, Timothy yeah. Chalamet has won every award that Oldman was supposed to win. I, 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 think, only, I just don't think he's probably the lock at this point. Has Have any of you ever seen a movie with Timothy Chalamet? I only have because I've seen Lady Bird. I haven't seen Call uh, Interstellar. Yeah, he's in Interstellar. He's in Interstellar? I didn't know that. Yes, he, he played the younger uh, Cooper. Oh, really? Yeah, he was the kid who turned into Casey Affleck. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) He's great in Lady Bird. I mean, and I guess he was, yeah, okay, I remember Interstellar. I just, okay, sure. Well, you know, he's, I'm sure he's great in Call Me By Your Name. He's pretty young, though. Right. Yeah, to win, he'd be the young, by far, youngest in that category, because he's only 23, right, or 22. Um, I'm not I don't know. Sure. Just, I mean, do you think Gary Oldman? I mean, the, the the critics were telling us for you know months that he this was a lock. So where where are you guys on that? What do you th- is Gary Oldman like out or in or what's? I still think Gary Oldman's in. Honestly. Well, no, no, I know he's going to get nominated, but do you think well, to win, win? Do you think he needs to like the campaign or what's going on here? I, he's probably I in, but he's such a scenery chewer. <laughs> he's such a what? He just devours the scenery. Right, scenery chewer. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's a bit of, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, it's a good performance, but oh, there's only so much. Uh, you effect. know, what? I think probably Golden Globes might be the telling mo- might be the telling moment whether or not if if Goldman actually get actually if he wins for Darkest Hour, I think he's. I think okay. Now it's now. I think uh, he's start the shift. Going. I feel like maybe more like with SAG on that actually, because. Yeah. SAG, you know, Golden Globe, of course, is the the Hollywood foreign or the uh, the foreign press. Yeah, and it's I I feel like Oldman Chalamet, you know, like Chalamet is playing like what he that that movie takes place in Italy, right? Yeah, and so they might have a bias because it's more of a foreign feeling film, whereas Darkest Hour, I mean, it we obviously uh, England is a foreign film to the United States, but I feel like. Hollywood kind of looks at England as sort of like our brother versus more of a cousin. That makes any sense? <laughs> you, you're 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 losing me, Al, because we're talking <laughs> about American characters in Italy, so that's not like well, anything. yeah, that's, that's what's true. got to do with his performance. That's yeah, I, I, you're losing me on this one. <laughs> I, I was fishing. With we can't that, we right? can agree to disagree. It's fine, right? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like um, I feel like. De- um, yeah, the Gary Oldman, he's probably still in command because I had heard as well that the critics might not go for him anyway. But then when the Oscars uh, come out, that that's really when we'll know like Gary Oldman is still a major contender. You mean the nominations? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like he's definitely going to be nominated. 
you know, the interesting thing is, is I don't, I don't know if it's Chalamet that's really going to be the contender uh, to to topple Oldman. I think it might actually be Daniel Day Lewis. Oh come on! They're not giving him number four for for no. like his fifteenth role ever. I, I don't know. I don't see. That. I, I, no matter how good he is, I, I I'm sorry. I don't. I, I disagree. I, I think I'd say James Franco has a better chance. I I would literally put more money on James Franco to win than <laughs> Lewis. And I'm not saying Franco's going to win, but I'm just I don't know. Mm-hmm. No. I, I'm sorry. I love Daniel Day-Lewis. Believe me. Well, see, okay, your reaction is exactly why I think it's still um, Gary Oldman's to lose. Right. Okay, well, that may well be, sure. Because, like, we can we can talk these actors out of winning more than we can talk Gary Oldman out of winning. <laughs> he does get the old vote, doesn't he? He gets the vote. He gets Daniel Day Lewis's votes. The people who grew up with both of those guys, kind of. Kind Zug of. keeps his mouth shut and his politics to himself. And, right. From Sid and Nancy, whatever. Yeah, he, as an actor, I just I, I've always loved Oldman stuff since uh, since uh, the Fifth Element. You know, when I was a kid, it was like one of my favorite movies growing up. And then after that, I just kind of soaked up pretty much everything he's been in because I feel like one of my roles of movies that if you have Gary Oldman in the movie, no matter how shitty it is, he's going to be good in it. Yeah, that's true. I remember the day I heard he was cast as Sirius Black, and I'd already read the books, and I was like, that's goddamn perfect because I knew he could do both sides, you know, make you think he's a bad guy, and then he's a good guy, you know, and, and then Harry Potter has the reveal. I was like, oh, this is going to be perfect. And of course it was, you know. Like I mean, maybe the movie wasn't perfect, but the but his parts in it were great. Anyway, so yes, I, I hear you. Yeah, um, and then an, another new, newbie to the uh, to the race here for best actress, they nominated Margot Robbie for I Tanya, which we hadn't seen yet. Yeah, which right? <laughs> no chance, huh? No, no. I think she's she's probably uh, if not the front runner, then she's probably. Right there with, I, I want it. I want, I want it with Meryl Streep probably because she she's she's get. Let's just not kid herself. She's probably getting nominated for what the twentieth time. Yes, post, probably. <laughs> yes, I think it's number twenty one now. But yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah I, she's getting number four either. I'm against anybody getting number four this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not well, she, I'm, not, I'm not saying she's getting number four, but I think she's probably. Yeah, I think it's. I would probably say it's between uh, uh, Margot Robbie and Meryl Streep, and in that one, I'd probably go Margot slightly because she's the new it girl in Hollywood. And you're they, and you're Hollywood an Australian who learned how to ice skate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but wait, you're saying she's? These are your choices to win the the Best Actress Oscar, or your predictions? That's what you're saying, I, John? I yeah, I, I think she's. Well, I think they probably give it to Margaret Rowe because, again, she's the she's the it girl in Hollywood. They but Saoirse Ronan really is just like as her. Much of it, I think Saoirse, In fact, yeah. Saoirse Ronan. Well, yeah, even one of them are they're young yeah. and charming and 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 like I keep hearing this whole thing about the the way the Oscar voters pick is like okay, so the best actor is the one that everybody like respects. And then the winner of the best the actress is the one that everybody fuck. wants to fuck, yeah. 
<laughs> Boy, here we go. Except for what Meryl Streep. I mean, <laughs> uh-uh. although I'm I'll sure, just, I'll just you know, finishing this. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of guys out there that find Meryl uh, attractive. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I know I do. Well, what are you going to say? Hey, yeah. yeah. What's interesting is we see Patrick Stewart show up for Logan in supporting actor, which I. Oh, that's cool. I, I I don't think this is going to happen, but that is just. Oh, really no, but it would be it'd be interesting. It'd be fun if it did. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll kind they of love him, but that role I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, just for the interest of time, since we still got to talk about Spielberg and everything. Why don't we just skip ahead then to, oh, let's not go over every category, but just like what do we predict will be the five for drama at Golden Globes and the five for comedy at Golden Globes? Mm. That's a good question. Jonathan, you want to take this first? Sure. Uh, drama, I'm going to see. I'll go Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, uh, uh, Call Me By Your Name, uh Phantom Thread and ah, uh, uh, does three billboards count? Are they be counting that as comedy? Oh wait, maybe is it running as comedy? I don't know. I have no yeah, idea. I, I haven't heard what I because all I heard was that Get Out oh, and Shape of Water, the Shape of Water. So I'll just go Shape of Water. And I'll just say probably comedy. It'll be uh, Lady Bird, three billboards. Uh, get out. Get Out and Get Out Coco and uh, Disaster Artist. Right. Steve, did you have a... No, I mean, I could read a list, but it really doesn't mean much. <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen most of them yet. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think Jonathan's sounded pretty I think it's, good. I think Jonathan's pretty well got it. Yeah. Yeah, well, so what I put up on the comments section over at Awards Daily... I put, for drama, I have Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Phantom Thread, and The Shape of Water, the same five you have. But then for comedy musical, I went with Get Out, I, Tanya, maybe? Lady Bird? It looks like a comedy, sort of. The Disaster Artist, and then the fifth spot, only because it is the Golden Globes, is The Greatest Showman. Oh, wow. Oh, Okay. Did either of you guys have the post in best drama? I mean, oh no, I I I totally forgot about the post. Damn, I didn't. I mean, you know, I don't know, but maybe I I don't know because I haven't seen it. So I feel, but Spielberg. Well, see, this is yeah. Go ahead. uh, No, I was just gonna say this is where I okay. So the Golden Globe is always the one of all the precursors that's like hard to predict because it's the Hollywood born press, and so we don't know like. How they yeah, feel about these some crazy directions sometimes. Yeah, we don't know like how they feel about like these really like American stories versus versus more worldly stories. So that's why I was a little fr- afraid to pull the trigger. I don't on think post. that matters to them. So why do you think that is? I think it's whoever sends them the largest fruit basket. <laughs> <laughs> Are they allowed to? I mean, do it's that? a very small group, and they're being hit by all these publicists. Oh, you know, I forget yeah. about that. No, I yeah. think that's oh, a so, really oh, so you're, oh, so you're saying that they, that whoever bribes them the most or gives them the night the well, biggest not, bribe wanna... is in. 
you guys are too young to remember, but Piazzadora won once. Yeah, and they've been living yeah. that down ever since. They or... have not lived it down yet. Exactly. Even they gave a win for what? Uh, butterfly or some damn thing? It was oh. what, 74, 75? Wow. Right. It was like 82, but, you know, yeah, whatever it is, yeah. I'm going to admit there's always a few surprises. They're not really very predictive, the Mm -hmm. Globes, but, you know, they're fun. They're reactive, mostly, I think. So, Daniel, what about you? What do you think could be the five for each category? Uh, Quickly. No, I thought Jonathan's were fine. Maybe Dunkirk, maybe By Your Name, Shape of Water, the post, uh, and I guess three billboards. Assuming that is, if that's a drama, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I guess I figure. Um, then in comedy, you know, Lady Bird, Get Out, Disaster Artist, and then I guess Big Sick and Nitania. I, I don't know. You know, the, the, again, I'm not sure about category fraud. I was surprised you went out there with Darkest Hour. Uh, Al, like I just, I, I don't know. That feels like out of that was me. That, that was me. Oh, okay. Actually, that was both of us. Yeah. Oh, well, see, you guys, maybe you guys know something I don't. I mean, I don't know. But I I feel like Darkest Hour, uh, okay, I I could be completely wrong, but it just seems, Phantom Thread seems way more likely to me than, than like, Darkest Hour. But what do I know? Anyway, moving on. All right, well, then. (laughs) But you didn't have to post. Yeah. So go ahead, yeah. So, well, then that brings us to Steven Spielberg. Um, So I think we're done with uh, talking about uh, these awards for the time being. Uh, we'll have to wait for more to come out. We'll see what tomorrow brings us with the Golden Globe nominations. And then SAG. SAG yeah. on Wednesday yeah. is very predictive. That, they is are that, always at least four out of five match up, you know, with the eventual nominees, it seems like. So, um, well, so what do I mean? It feels like here's the interesting thing about talking about Spielberg. That feels like a conversation that could go on for like two hours. Easily. So do we just want to like, for the sake of time, do we just kind of want to cover like just our absolute favorites or just kind of a feelings about his career, the person? I think the important thing about him is the impact that he's had on the, the industry. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, the, he is by far and away one of the most influential. Like, he's not my favorite director. Um, some of his stuff I really don't like at all. But uh, some of it, when he's on he, on his game, then there's nobody better. Right. Like the first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan, uh, most of Schindler's List, Close Encounters is one of my favorites, Jaws. The best thing to happen to him was that that shark didn't work because I think he had to pull out his bag of tricks for a young guy just starting out and sure. make that go for suspense instead of carnage. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Um, what What are you guys, let's just start with, what are you guys' favorite Spielberg films? Or no, or single single favorite Spielberg film. Oh, that's that's difficult. Uh, yeah, that's a hard question to answer. There's different <laughs> reasons. I know for yeah. me, it depends it's, on the day. Honestly, yeah. there are some days I think 
my absolute favorite is probably Munich, just because of uh, yeah. because of the topics because of the topics covered, and then other days at Schindler's List when I actually decided to watch the damn movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't fault any moment of Schindler's List. I mean, I, I you know, it's it's so well done. Uh, so I guess that, although I don't know, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a great film. You know, oh, it's yeah, it's a perfect film in its own way. Yeah. Raiders is a really fun movie. You know, one of my favorite things uh, that I like about Spielberg is the way that he can come out with a summer blockbuster and then a winter drama in the same year. Oh, the man's yeah. got four faces. I've noticed doing genre blast for the last year he's got his histories he's got his serials which is the the jaws the jurassic parks the indy jones he's got his sci-fi one-ofs like uh et and war of the worlds close encounters little things like catch me if you can in the terminal yeah yeah Yeah, that's a really that's that's fair four faces that is accurate so do we think that like i mean obviously he cemented himself already as one of the greatest directors of all time i mean if there was a mount rushmore he would be on it right yeah probably yeah. probably the most popular film director ever yeah. he, it's interesting he, is, he is a household name even though he's only a film director mm-hmm. which is right. not something you can really say about almost any other film director i mean yeah. you, people like us we know who you know paul thomas anderson is but most of america doesn't you know what i mean like yeah. spielberg you know, like if a kid is just playing with a camera, a movie camera, it's like, who do you think you are, Steven Spielberg? You know, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, he's he's on that level. Uh, I I think it's we're lucky that he's as moral as he is, even though he is. You know, I, I get why people find him cloying uh, and over sentimental. Um, but his heart's in the right place, though. Yeah, yeah that's something right I can place. always say about him is that regardless of the film, it's like he his heart's in the right place. Whether or not the outcome is whether, whether like the outcome of that particular movie is kind of sometimes varies. Yeah, I mean, these days we are very into like uh, people only doing what they know in terms of like biography. I mean, um, but I think for him to take on the color purple when he did, you know, that was a beautiful thing, even if it hadn't worked and it did work, you know, it was beautiful of him to take on Amistad, you know, it like these movies wouldn't have gotten made otherwise, you know, I know we can say, well, it's a white guy interloping. Well, I guess, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I give him a lot of credit. I give him credit just watching Jurassic Park two and seeing that like Jeff Goldblum's daughter is African American. I mean, I'm like, you know, he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to focus on that. And another thing about like just in general, his people often talk about his obsession with absent um, fathers, absent fathers. And, you know, single mothers. And it's funny because that wasn't his experience, but yet it sort of was. You know, he felt like his mom. He described her as Peter Pan, like they would just hang out. Um, because his dad was always doing work, but I, I mean, but I do think, I actually do think he made the world a little easier for kid for kids like me who, who were raised by single mothers in a weird way, you know, that it seemed like he took the stigma off a little bit. So I give him credit for all those things. Yes. It's sometimes schlocky. I can't forgive Indiana Jones for, I agree with <laughs> every word South Park said about that movie is true. Um, but, uh, Anyway, but, uh, you know, I I have the opposite reaction again. Again, I'm not again. I didn't grow up with Indiana Jones when I was a kid. So so you love Indiana Jones for 
I yeah. liked it fine. I just kind of liked it fine for what it was. Like, it's like, scene three. Kind of a, like a, I mean, it's scene three. <laughs> again, again, I didn't grow up with the series. It's just, right. When I, was, like, when I, was eight, I was 18 when uh, Crystal Skull came out, and I, that's the first time I, I remember seeing an Indiana Jones movie. And I was like, oh, this is, this is, this is okay. It's not... I don't think it's Spielberg's one of Spielberg's best, but it's 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 a fine, you know, popcorn movie. I only well, like Raiders. Let's not derail for the rest of the series. Yeah, sorry. Would you say, Steve? Uh, I only I only liked Raiders of the indie yeah. films, right? Yeah, but I, anyway, I mean, he clearly can do a lot. I mean, his technical virtuosity, knowing where to put the camera. I mean, you know. It's it, we've been lucky to have him because he has. Um, well, plus his yeah, acting as a producer and uh, film yep. film restoration, along with Marty Scorsese, he, yep. I think they've saved a lot of films. The two of them. Yep, absolutely. My favorite in particular, Lawrence of Arabia. Yep, yep. If it wasn't for yep. the two of them, most of that film would be lost. Wow. Yep, yep. He gave a lot of money to film schools, you know, all over the place. Um, I mean, film departments all, all around the country. I mean, no, he's he's been very cool. I mean, you got to give him a lot of credit. He could have shrunk away, you know, or whatever. Yep. I mean, you know, I think about how, like, George Lucas reacted to being suddenly, like, the biggest, you know, thing in the world. He kind of just couldn't. I, I think on some level he didn't, couldn't or didn't want to handle it. You know, he kind That's of... Right shrunk away whereas like spielberg just kept making movies and producing movies which is very lucky for us i think you know yeah um in many ways yes they no they weren't all perfect you know but i don't know yeah i like his prioritization of actors and his trusting of actors you know because we often hear that's that blockbuster films are places that where actors are uh uh, at best, you know, an afterthought after special effects and, you know, spectacle. Spielberg obviously knows about special effects. He knows about spectacle. He can put that in his movies. But he does not treat his actors like afterthoughts. And they, they haven't been in his movies. They are, they, they are, he allows for great performances to happen. He allows for surprises to ha- happen. Um, we've been lucky. I mean, it could have been much worse is what I would say if, you know, to having him around, you know, if, right. if I had one wish, I'd like to see him make a film that didn't have a happy ending. <laughs> I can see that. Sure. Well, I would argue that saving private Ryan, I mean, I hope I'm not spoiling this for anybody watching this. I mean, you've got 19, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, 19 years, you've had 19 years to see this movie. I mean, he goes, you know, uh, I well, he's I'm trying to be uplifting. I, maybe I should say an, a non-uplifting ending. He says, I, I hope I've been a good man. I've lived a good life. But we don't, I mean, he clearly didn't cure the disease that, like, Tom Hanks was hoping he would have. Tom Hanks' character was hoping that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I get what you mean, but I don't know that, yeah, all right, I, I know what you mean. Um, well, I think I think yeah. maybe the closest Spielberg's gotten to that was at the end of Munich, where, um... The Eric Bonner character is like okay, is is talking to the guy who put him who put him on this on this mission of revenge. And it's like okay, okay, what what have we solved? What yeah, that what too. what yeah. have what have we solved? What have we accomplished? And he feels like right. it's, it's been nothing, and he's left with this sure. of emptiness. Of emptiness, he does ask those solve. questions. The end of Schindler's yeah. List, the same thing. Yeah, I mean right. the remorse. Even though he'd helped all these people, he still felt remorseful that he wasn't able to do more. Right, right. 
So I think, yeah, uh, but I know what you mean, that they do tend to tie up with a ribbon. His filmmaking is so good that it feels like it's being tied up with a ribbon, even when I think he means for it to be more morally gray or ambivalent. He can't help how how good his his his, his craft positioning is. is his craft it's so good that it feels more packed than it sometimes actually is i think or that the script is if yeah, it's like a, a 19th century composer where he's got to end his symphony with a big coda sure. <laughs> well how do we think that the post will end like is that going to be on a good note or a sound oh line? yeah well oh, it's, it, it'll well, be just... it'll, i think it'll be a, a little bit more downbeat and how it transitions into today, I think this is how that, would, that movie would probably end. Or at least that's how I want to see it end. <laughs> right. I want to see it end with a barb towards what's happening towards journalism now. I'm sure yeah. there'll be a little... Yeah, yeah. It'll be yeah. obvious. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny because, like, The Post is coming out, and that's kind of in line with his, his you know, his sentimentality of dramas and stuff. And then there's the whole, like, Ready Player One coming right afterwards that just looks like it's the opposite end completely, you know? And so I, I've never read play, Ready Player One. Um, have you, any of you read it? No. Yeah, that's great. Okay, it's a, so... It's horrific. So I'm just kind of going in with fresh eyes on that. Does that have a happy ending as well? Uh, Don't spoil uh, it, because I yeah, have the book. I, I, why should I... <laughs> I would, you know... Okay, fair enough. Know, Next. <laughs> yeah. Instead of like asking what's like the best Spielberg, I would say just either like personal favorites or like something that's underrated of his filmography. Yeah, I underrated is tough because so much of his films are like high profile. Uh, although it does kind of feel like like nobody talks about like Always, Empire no, of the no. Sun. No, they don't. Um, they don't ever talk about Hook. Probably for the right reason. Yes. I'd probably go like Catch Me If You Can. I think Catch a, Me If You Can. I really like that's it. That's a really, yeah. really good one because it's again, it's because I've mostly known Spielberg through the lens of like you know blockbusters and sci-fi films, and I've never really seen him kind of do something and small so and intimate and yeah, something so that's very kind of yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. that's what changed my mind about Leonardo DiCaprio as an actor. It's like, holy shit, he's actually really good. Hey guys, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I had given this an hour, most okay. an hour and a half. I, I have to go. It's been. Yeah, more I'm gonna have to leave pretty soon too. All right. Well, but I think that. Great, uh, yeah, let's wrap this up then. Uh, so that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, will we don't know thanks, exactly. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. We don't know exactly what's going to happen next week. We may or may not have some big uh, guests on with us. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Otherwise, I hope uh, everybody <laughs> out there has a great week. Uh, and uh, let's uh, let's hope for some good uh, Golden Globe and SAG nominations. And get on to film up film bottomy this week for the Spielberg week. Oh, definitely. Yes, definitely. Right. With that, uh, we'll all say good night. I've been where the eagle flies, rode his wings across autumn skies, kissed the sun, touched the moon. But he left me much too soon His ladybird He left his ladybird Ladybird, come on down I'm here waiting on the ground 